Welcome to Zaslow Show 2.0, presented from day one by Anna Jar and Levine Accident Attorneys. You're dealing with any kind of accident, any personal injury, slip and fall, motorcycle, car accident, bike. Anna Jar and Levine Accident Attorneys, 800 747 free. That's 800 747 3733. Title sponsors from day number one. No. Before day number one of Zaslow Show 2.0, my guys Mark Anajar, Glenn Levine, Ellie Anajar, they believe in me. If you're listening to the show right now and you're dealing with any kind of personal injury, I'm sending you to my friends, Anajar and Levine, accident attorneys. You don't have to deal with the insurance companies. You don't have to deal with the medical bills. You need to focus on getting right. That's where they come in. They handle all the stuff that you don't want to be bothered with. You need to make sure you're getting healthy and they're going to make sure you're getting the money that you deserve. Anna John Levine, Accident Attorneys, 800-747-FREE. That's 800-747-3733. Proud title sponsors of Zaslow Show 2.0. Hey, if you've been searching for a refreshing beer that feels like you're back in the Caribbean, well, search no more. Proud sponsor of Zaslow Show 2.0, Johnny Cuba. It's a lifestyle. We're talking European roots with a Caribbean soul, a refreshing German lager in a can. That's right. Pick up a six-pack of Johnny Cuba, Sedanos, Presidente, Winn-Dixie. Got great six-pack deals going on right now. You got... Hot sauce, that's right, made from selected Caribbean habanero peppers. You know your boy Zaslow loves the hot sauce. Go pick up some Caribbean soul in a can. Johnny Cuba, stay tranquilo. If you're a homeowner, you need to make sure you have the proper coverage. And that's why I'm sending you to Brunt Insurance and Financial Services. The Zaslow family uses Brunt Insurance and Financial Services because we know that if there's, God forbid, an issue with our home, we need to know that we're covered properly. From Pensacola to the Keys and beyond, Brunt Insurance and Financial Services delivers comprehensive insurance and financial solutions tailored to your needs. Since 2013, Brunt Insurance specializes in home and auto insurance. Bruntinsurance.com. You could also check them out on social media at Brunt Insurance. Look, the market's confusing. Let Brunt Insurance sort it all out for you with their fully licensed staff, and they know the area. The Zaslow family uses Brunt Insurance to make sure that they're covered, and that's why I'm sending you to them as well. Bruntinsurance.com. 954-589-2204. Welcome aboard. This is Zaslow Show 2.0. Welcome, Zaslow Show 2.0. It is a Monday, the 18th of September. Good to have you aboard. We're part of the Believe Podcast Network and presented as always by Anna Jar and Levine, Accident Attorneys, 800-747-3, 800-747-3733. If you've been involved in any kind of an accident, 
hit and run, motorcycle, slip and fall, boating. First you call 911, then you call Anna Jar and Levine. They take care of you like family, just like the way they took care of me the moment that we launched Zaslow Show 2.0. Anna Jar and Levine, accident attorneys, 800-747-3800-747-3733. Glad to have you aboard here to start the week. Obviously have a fun show for everybody planned today. We kick off the week with your Miami Hurricanes, 3-0, number 20 in the nation. Your Miami Dolphins, 2-0, atop the AFC East. That's what I'm talking about. That's how you want to get the week started. So, we're going to do a lot of Dolphins today, obviously. We're going to do our NFL rundown, always brought to us by Brunt Insurance, bruntinsurance.com. We're going to give out our awards after a Dolphins win. We tell you who our dogs were, so we'll give you our top three dogs from yesterday's Dolphins win. We'll do a little college football as well. I'll be honest with you, and this is straight up direct result of ESPN Radio. I am more dialed in to college football than I've been, I can't even tell you when, in forever. I am so much more into, I don't even know if into like I care more about it. I don't think that's the case. I'm so much more involved and dialed into college football than I I can't even tell you the last time when. So that's a good thing. We'll circle back to that. Obviously, Dolphins the main story today. But first, got to tell you guys, your boy had a weekend. Great weekend. I took my boys. We were in Fort Worth, Texas for a couple nights. Thursday night, Friday night. Came back Saturday night. We saw Pearl Jam on Friday, my 26th time seeing Pearl Jam. It was it was so wonderful. Really nice arena they had there, Dickies Arena in Fort Worth. It's a rodeo arena, but they had the NCAA tournament there last year. They have concerts that come there. It's rather new. It's only a few years old. This was a great little arena. And when I say arena, 14,000 people sold out to the back to the rafters behind the stage and everything. Not an empty seat in the building. The Zaslow boys, we had a great time. It was my older son, Corey's third time seeing Pearl Jam. It was my younger son, Jordan's first time seeing Pearl Jam. So the first time the three of us together. I saw Pearl Jam for the very first time when I was 16 years old. And in my 26th show, all three of us, all of the Zaslow boys saw Pearl Jam together. It was a really special night. We had such a great time. We had amazing seats. I love them so much. Uh, what, what? I mean, it's a small little tour that they're doing this year. Although I think they're going to tour again next year because apparently they have a new album coming out. They only, they're only playing five or six cities. So we got to go to the one that was most convenient, Fort Worth, Texas, Friday night. What a show. 24 songs, two and a half hours the band played. And just for people who aren't into Pearl Jam, which I understand is m- the majority of my off- a- a- audience, so I'm not going to spend too much time on it, but it's very difficult to explain just how important this band is to, to everyone who was in attendance there, because pretty much the entire building are all 10 club members, all members of the fan club. So everyone there cares so much about this band. And it's just, it's such a wonderful atmosphere. It was a tremendous night. I can't wait for the next time that we all go. So, unbelievable weekend for your boy. Had such a great time. Also, during the day on Friday, 
We took a tour of AT&T Stadium. We took a tour of the Cowboys Stadium. Phenomenal. Awesome stadium. I mean, you guys see it on television. They kicked the shit out of the Jets yesterday. You see it on television. It's enormous. You know, we're talking like 90,000 people sit there. We got to go in the locker rooms. We got to go on the field and play football. My son was kicking field goals. He booted one. My, my son booted one from 25 yards out right through the uprights. So we were able to play football on the field, which was really cool. And, and yeah, just awesome stadium. That's a fun experience. I, I totally recommend if you spend any time in Dallas, do a tour of AT&T Stadium. We did a tour of Madison Square Garden last year when we were in New York City. So now, not every building does a tour. It has to be, I'm pretty sure it's got to be like, you know, a building that people would want a tour, like AT&T Stadium. Like, for instance, I, I don't think Kaseya Center does tours. It, it's a regular arena. There's nothing to it, you know. But if you're, if you're in a city that has a unique stadium or a unique arena or ballpark, totally recommend you should do one of these tours. Really fun. We had a great time. So, fun weekend. I hope you guys enjoyed your weekend as well. Before we continue on here, let's get the Dolphin stuff, all right? But first up, I want to tell you guys, look, you know I've been telling you it's summertime, and if you're thinking about getting a new ride, North Fort Lauderdale Subaru, if you're in the market for a new car and you can't decide where to go, I send you to North Fort Lauderdale Subaru, the only car dealership I personally endorse. North Fort Lauderdale Subaru carries the widest inventory of newest Subaru models on the market. You could be looking for the Outback or the Crosstrek. You could check out the Forester, or the Ascent. Whether you're looking for a spacious Subaru SUV for the family or just a reliable Subaru sedan for your daily commute, North Fort Lauderdale Subaru is sure to have the perfect model for you. That's right. And how about this? Be payment-free for the rest of 2023 when you get a new car at North Fort Lauderdale Subaru. Make no payments for 90 days when you purchase that. That's the rest of the year. Make no payments for 90 days when you purchase any North Fort Lauderdale Subaru vehicle. You can shop right now from your home. You can check it out. NFLSubaru.com. North Fort Lauderdale Subaru, conveniently located on North Andrews Avenue, just north of Cypress Creek Road. The building you know and the place to go. NFLSubaru.com. North Fort Lauderdale Subaru. So the Dolphins, yes, your favorite football team, Starts out the year, two road wins, two road wins in the conference. And look, that Charger game, huge because that's potentially a team that you'd be fighting for a wild card spot with. The Patriot win, all right, Patriots suck, but a divisional win is a really big deal. 2-0 two, two on the road to start the year, and now you come home for Denver next week, who look like the Pitts. So you, you are a home win against an 0-2 team from starting 3-0, which, look, the goal is to make the playoffs. But if you want to win the division, you take advantage of your situation. Buffalo started the year with a road loss in division, and now the Dolphins, 2-0, 2-0 on the road, 2-0 in the AFC, 1-0 in the AFC East. And that comes after 0-3, on the road in the AFC East last year. Big time start for the Dolphins. There was never a moment. Actually, I shouldn't say there was never a moment. There was one moment, and we'll get to that. But other than that one moment, you never thought the Dolphins were not were going to lose this game. Now, 
Did it get dicey in the fourth quarter? Were they always in control? No, because the Patriots did get the ball back with a chance to tie, all right? So that fourth quarter between the blocked field goal to an interception, there were a couple moments there where things got a little bit hairy. And overall, because going into the game, I felt like they were going to win by eight or nine points. So they, they essentially did that. But I found the game to be frustrating. And think about this. The Dolphins win a game they were in control of the whole night. They were never up by less than a touchdown. They were up by two touchdowns for most of the game. At the Patriots, they come away with a win, and I found the game to be frustrating. That right there, if there's no other indicator, that right there is an indicator of how far this Dolphin team has come and how good you believe they are. That they won that game yesterday the way they did, and I found the game frustrating. That's a very positive sign. And I found the game frustrating because, and think about this too, I found the game frustrating because, you know, the offense in the second half did nothing. Yeah, the one play Mostert gets the touchdown. But in a game they scored 24 points, winning at the Patriots, I was frustrated throughout the second half. You go back a few years ago, you would kill for the Dolphins to score 24 points and be frustrated with the result. That's how far this team has come. So early on in the game, they made note where, and good job by the broadcast there, Tariko and Collinsworth pointing out, all right, you look at the defense Belichick is playing. They're playing three safeties back. They're not giving up the deep ball. They're going to take away any of the big plays. And it worked. But here's the thing. McDaniel notices it immediately. And I thought Mike McDaniel called an excellent game. I thought he called a great game aggressively countering what the Patriots were doing defensively with aggressively running the football. What was it, 30 passes for Tua? 30 rushes? Including Mostert, who was tremendous. So fast. They were aggressive defensively in not allowing the deep ball. And Mike McDaniel said, okay, we're going to be aggressive running the football. And if there's one thing where... Okay, what's the weakness of this Dolphin team? Like yesterday, I was on the BetQL network with those guys out there in Vegas. What's the weakness of this Dolphin team? Is it the running game? I said, it is the running game, but not that they can't run the ball well. The weakness for this team is whether or not they're willing to actually run the ball. Whether or not they're willing to stick with running the ball. And now you understand last week where, all right, they weren't going to run it a ton because it was a close game. It was a back and forth game. And if that's the case, get the ball to Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle as much as possible. But this week, it was a game the Dolphins were ahead the whole time. Ahead by two touchdowns most of the time. And they're taking away the deep play. So Belichick is banking on, you know what, this Mike McDaniel, this young coach with this explosive offense, and to a young quarterback who, who's great with the explosive plays, I don't think they're going to be patient. I don't think they're capable of being patient. And they were. 
What Belichick essentially did there was he the way that they were defending the Dolphins, he was not going to allow the Dolphins to put a bullet in his head. So instead, the Dolphins decided, we're going to stab you in the chest a thousand times. And that's what they did. They were methodical and meticulous. The underneath slants, quick releases to a and running the football. Mike McDaniel countering what Belichick was goading him to do, which was throw the ball deep. And having the patience to stick with the running game was a major sign of maturity from Mike McDaniel. That was one of our biggest complaints last year, right? Why won't he run the football? And it's always a weird thing where we love judging coaches in their first year. Why is a coach a finished product in his first year? Why can't a coach get better every single year? Last year's version of Mike McDaniel, I don't think calls that game that he did last night. This year's version was willing to be patient, trust his offensive line, trust his running back, trust his running game. And they picked apart that Patriot defense by taking what they gave them. That was good I thought McDaniel was tremendous last night in countering what Belichick was was essentially daring him to do. And you know what else? You got to point this out. For the second game in a row, you can say, if you got to point to a sequence, you got to point to a place where, wow, different game if the Dolphins don't do that. Second game in a row, you could say the game was won, by the Dolphins' aggressiveness at the end of the first half. Last week, calling the timeout with 14 seconds left. Can we get into field goal range after the after we get the ball back? And the answer, yes. And the Dolphins wind up winning the game by two. This week, they're aggressive again. They call timeouts with like, what, a minute and a half left? They get the ball back. Can they drive 75 yards? Yup. Tua, underneath, underneath, eventually. Deep pass to Berrios, who's fucking awesome, by the way. And then they wind up getting the touchdown to Tyreek Hill. Incredible throws by Tua. What was he, 8 for 8, I think it was, on that two-minute drive to end the first half? And then you get the double possession, which didn't work. The Dolphins went three and out earlier in the third quarter. But for two games in a row now, in a game they won by seven, they were super aggressive and scored a touchdown at the end of the second quarter. Two games in a row now. You could say the Dolphins don't win the game if not for McDaniel being super aggressive at the end of the first half. I thought McDaniel had a tremendous day yesterday between the play calling and then how aggressive he was anytime that the Dolphins have a chance to have the football, we want to score. Any chance that we may have the football, if we have any amount of time on the clock, We're going to give ourselves a chance to score. He was fantastic yesterday, Mike McDaniel. And you know what? Going into game number one, I really felt there was a lot of pressure. I said this. I thought there was a lot of pressure on Chris Greer because the offensive line. They didn't really do anything to shore up the offensive line. And then now two games in a row without Teron Armstead, the Dolphins' offensive line was very good the first game. And they were even better yesterday. Tua, first sack all season, comes early in the third quarter. It was the only time all game yesterday that he was touched. Now, yes, does some of that have to do with 
calling plays where Tua is going to get the ball out fast? Does some of that have to do with running the ball 30 times? Look, that's the main reason that I believe this team is going to trade for Jonathan Taylor. Because it almost forces the team to run the ball. But they did that yesterday. And that helps protect Tua. This offensive line, and what's his name? Uh, uh, Kendall Lamb filling in on the left side, left tackle for Toronto Armstead. We're in a place now against Denver next week. If Armstead needs another week to be healthy, wait another week. Because this Kendall Lamb has done a terrific job. The offensive line has been fantastic. And obviously, Connor Williams and the snapping of the football is a disaster. You know, what was it late in the game, right before the missed field goal from Jason Sanders, where he snaps the ball low to Tua. Tua can't handle it. They were going to pass that play. It was third and short. They were going to pass there. Tua bobbles it. He decides to try and run forward. He gets nothing. And then you have the 55-yard field goal, which, of course, Jason Sanders missed. But I can't believe how great this offensive line has been. Really good job. Like, do you give credit? Mike McDaniel, Chris Greer said he likes the group they have. Mike McDaniel says he's never had more depth with the offensive line. And with the new offensive line coach, I mean, maybe he knows what he's doing. But this offensive line has been fantastic. Can I tell you? So the end of the game, you got the fourth down. And by the way, again, big time plays by the defense on the final drive, including getting the stop on the final play. But Mixon in a sack there, which made it third and long. So they get the big play, what, like 14 yards to make it, I think, fourth and four? Sorry, I had to take a sip of my coffee. Very fired up this morning. And you get the completion to Kasiki. Excellent tackle. He's not even close to the line. Tosses to the offensive lineman. They make the tackle. Now, when you're watching live TV, Absolutely looked like they stopped him. It looked like they stopped him. And the line judge on both sides, both come running up, marking him short. And then you have the asshole referee coming in from the center from behind who is signaling first down, first down. And it's like, what the fuck? Not only was he short, the two line judges are marking him short and the referee trying his hardest to cheat just comes in. He doesn't even want a measurement. He just comes in. First down, first down, move the chains. What the hell is happening here? And so thank God you then get the booth review. And I thought the broadcast, the NBC broadcast, Tariqo Collinsworth, and then bringing in Terry McCauley, who's their rules official, did an excellent job showing you he's down. He is down before the line. But those plays, the spots, the spot challenges or spot reviews are so difficult to overturn. They rarely overturn. I thought there was no chance they were overturning this play. And we could see on the replay, they, he is definitely short. I was so prepared for them not to overturn it. I was shocked they over. I was shocked they gave it to the Dolphins. Shocked they overturned that. That referee so badly wanted to cheat in that spot. Tua owns Belichick. 5-0 and now against Belichick. And I, look, Belichick's attitude is so fucking tired. 
Obviously, he did all the winning. But two of the last three years, no playoffs minus Brady. This year, they're terrible. And you look at that roster they have. It's a terrible roster. They have nothing on offense. Devontae Parker, uh, uh, Smith Schuster, give me a break. When they're telling you Ramondre Stevenson is their best player on offense, get the hell out of here. Mac Jones, we know, is one of the worst quarterbacks in the league. There was no way Mac Jones was leading any kind of drive to win tie or win the game. I think they would have went for two in the end. That You look at that team, the way Belichick has put together this roster, he is so overrated. So overrated. Like, it's time to have a conversation. Nobody wants to, but it is time to have a conversation about how overrated Belichick is. Now, that doesn't mean Belichick's not good. The great coach. You can be overrated and still be a great coach. Meaning, there's no difference between him and guys like Andy Reid. There's no difference between Belichick and the other all-time great coaches. He's an all-time great coach. But this idea that, that he's this genius, by far the greatest football coach ever, second to none, there's no difference between him and other great coaches. He's great. That's it. So overrated. There is nothing special about Belichick compared to the other great coaches. Before Brady, nothing. With Brady, amazing. Brady moves on, still amazing, wins a Super Bowl. Belichick now without Brady, terrible. Misses playoffs two out of three years. And look at, they're 0-2 now this year. They're going to be last in the AFC East. Although the Jets are going to give them a run, obviously. And you look at the roster he put together. The team sucks. Patriot team sucks. So overrated, Belichick. There is, he's not any better than any of the other all-time great coaches. You would talk about Belichick five, ten years ago. He's all the way up here, and, and, and like, Shula's all the way down here below him, and the other great coaches. Get the fuck out of here. He is no better than any of the other great Hall of Fame coaches. The only difference was, he had Brady. It's pretty clear at this point. And what I'm telling you here, Belichick is overrated. Don't misconstrue. You know, I tell you all the time, the most overrated comedy is The Hangover. The Hangover is the most overrated comedy of all time. I think The Hangover is great. It's really funny. But the way that you talk about The Hangover as if it's the greatest comedy of all time. It's some cinematic, comedic masterpiece. No, it's not. I can name a dozen comedies so much better and funnier than The Hangover. Doesn't mean The Hangover is not great. It is great, but it's very overrated. Belichick's a great coach. Is he so much better than the other great coaches? Nope. He is no better than any of them. Belichick, so overrated. So. Oh, oh, and I wanted to mention this too. Belichick's attitude. Oh my goodness. The act is so tired. There were two instances last night, right? You had the one instance where he challenged. And yes, now they ended up losing the challenge, but I I thought it was a poor spot by the officials. So if I'm Belichick, I would have challenged their all. So like I said, I'm pretty sure they lost that challenge. I would have challenged their two. And Belichick was so disgusted. You know, it's like when Eric Spolstra, he does this too. It's like when Eric Spolstra has to use his challenge 
and he's angry that he has to use the challenge because if you just made the correct call in the first place, I wouldn't have to waste a challenge here. So, Belichick, I understand where he's coming from there. That was the attitude, the way that he threw down the flag right at the feet of the official who was standing next to him because his mentality is, if you just got the call right, I wouldn't have to waste my challenge here. This is a terrible job out of you. You fucked up. Except here's the thing. Belichick throws that challenge flag in disgust at the official getting the call wrong as if Belichick's team isn't sitting on three points late in the third quarter. Like, your team is just as bad as that call was from the official. You're not coaching some perfect game. Your players are not playing some perfect game. Your team is terrible. You have three points late in the third quarter. That call right there, that missed call by the official, wouldn't matter so much if your team wasn't just as bad. And then, later on in the fourth quarter, when you had the, the personal foul, the targeting call on Jalen Waddle, which was a very, very easy call. Because you look at the replay, leans in with his helmet, the ball is so far past Waddle. Belichick, you could see mouthing to the official, he's so angry, he's going for the ball. He's going for the ball. Bullshit. You look at the replay, goes forward with his helmet, and the ball is so far gone at that point. Such an easy call, and he's so angry when he's so clearly wrong. He is, he might be the most overrated coach of all time, Belichick. Again, that doesn't mean that he's not great. It doesn't mean he's anything but great. But I am over hearing about Belichick being the greatest coach. There is nothing that separates him from all the other all-time Hall of Fame coaches. He's right there with them. He is with all of those guys. He is not any better. The only difference is he had Brady. That's it. The most overrated coach there is. Maybe in all of sports. Now, now I get, so I'm very pleased with the Dolphins yesterday. But now we got to get to what's a major problem. And that's the kicker. Jason Sanders is a major problem for this team. Now, I've been telling you since early last year, Jason Sanders sucks. He's going to cost this team a playoff game. I said it all last year. And I'm going to tell you again, and we've already seen it in both of the first two games. One of the things I really liked about Brian Flores, who I think we're learning stunk as a head coach, but one of the things I really liked about Brian Flores, he had no problem identifying a potential problem and moving on from it before it becomes a major problem. You saw, early in his first couple years, he he fired offensive line coaches. This is not going to cut it. There may not be any reason to fire you right now, but I see this is not going to cut it. I don't want to wait till it costs us a game. I'm firing you now. Brian Flores, I always felt, was really good at identifying that problem, at least trying to fix it, before it shows itself as a major problem. 
He was very proactive in that fashion. Mike McDaniel, going back to last year, has not been willing to do that with the kicker. This was a problem all of last year. Jason Sanders had the good first year. He had a phenomenal first year with the Dolphins. They then rewarded him with the contract. He's been awful ever since. He's terrible. And for a team that clearly is a Super Bowl contender, the kicker is a major liability. Can you imagine? This team is finally a Super Bowl contender, and we're going to get to a spot in the playoffs where the stupid kicker cost them a chance at the Super Bowl. Think about how fucking angry you're going to be when that happens. Brian Flores was really good at being proactive with things that you could see are going to be a problem. Mike McDaniel has to see this is a problem and he has not been willing to do anything about it. I don't remember what game it was last year, but I remember I thought Sanders was done. I thought they were going to cut him and have a new kicker the next week. It didn't happen. I think they should have a new kicker next week. It is very clearly a problem. Like, I want to say I wouldn't be surprised if they have a new kicker next week because clearly McDaniel has to see it. Clearly Chris Greer has to see it. But they didn't pull the trigger at any point last year or in the offseason. So, yeah, I would be surprised. Even though they should have a new kicker next week, yeah, I'd be surprised if they did. There was never a point. Think about this. There was never a point in any of these games, these two games, that I thought they were going to lose until... Jason Sanders did the bullshit. Last week, he had the bullshit. He misses the extra point. And for the first time that all that game, wow, the Dolphins are going to lose on a field goal. And this week, never thought they were going to lose until Jason Sanders, with a chance to ice the game with just over two minutes left, misses the field goal. Wow, the Patriots are going to drive the field goal for two and win. Two straight weeks. The Dolphins were in position to win a road game. And two straight weeks, Jason Sanders put them in a position to lose the game. You have to get rid of him. And think about this. You know, when I was younger, if you were kicking a 50-yard field goal, whoa, that was a really long kick. Like, when I was a kid, Jason Elam, Broncos, makes a 52 yards. Like, oh my God, you're the best kicker ever. Now, if you're kicking a 50-yard field goal, so nothing to it. So makeable. Guys kick 57, 58-yard field goals. They got an extra five yards on it when it splits the uprights, no problem. Jason Sanders is four for 13 now over the last two seasons. Kicking from 50 plus yards. Four for 13, which ranks him last in the league. Even having. So, you know, the question becomes the Dolphins, Tua loses the yards because you had the bad snap. 37 yard line, fourth down. You could either punt or kick a field goal to win the game, field goal to ice the game. If you miss it, though, which they did. You're giving them the ball near midfield with a chance to tie or win the game. Or should you punt? 
even having to second guess kicking a 55-yard field goal, which is very makeable for every kicker in the league, apparently except Jason Sanders. Having to second guess kicking a 55-yard field goal, which would ice the game and consider maybe we should just punt instead, that shows you what a massive liability Jason Sanders in. That should be an easy decision. Should we kick a 55-yard field goal to ice the game, or should we punt it? No, we're not going to punt it. Make a 55-yarder. The fact that you even have to second-guess that decision shows you Jason Sanders needs to be gone. That's a no-brainer to kick that 55-yarder and ice the game. And if you don't know if you should do that, that maybe you should punt, you have to get rid of this guy. He is a major problem. God forbid we're in January and remembering this conversation. Get rid of this guy. All right. I mean, you guys know I love sheets and giggles. Jason Sanders cost the Dolphins that game last night. I don't even know if Sheets and Giggles would have allowed me to get to sleep. I mean, we know Sheets and Giggles. We're talking the best sleep I'm ever having in my life. Naturally softer, cooler, more breathable sheets. I don't have to worry about where I'm going to get my sheets from. I go to SheetsGiggles.com. If it's your first time shopping on SheetsGiggles.com, use promo code Zazlo upon checkout. 20% off your first order. Made from eucalyptus. That's right. You know, koala sleeps up to 18 hours on a eucalyptus tree. You know how comfortable I sleep on a eucalyptus pillow? Have you ever slept on a eucalyptus mattress? Go to SheetsGiggles.com. You're going to get the best sleep of your life. Like I said, Sanders, if he calls the Dolphins that game, I don't know if Sheets and Giggles would have been able to get me to sleep, but if anything would have helped me get to sleep last night, it would have been Sheets and Giggles. You're going to become one of over 100,000 Americans who are sleeping on Sheets and Giggles. You're never turning back. Sheets and Giggles, the only bed sheets we're ever going to use in the Zaslow Mansion. SheetsGiggles.com. All right, so back to the positives from last night. And look, I mean, I'm pissed off about the kicker situation. I'm pissed off about the special team situation. No, the block kick was not Jason Sanders' fault. And yes, I, I see... Was he thinking about the guy coming in from the right side and that's maybe why he missed it to left? Maybe. Yeah, that could definitely play a role. Except Jason Sanders is four for his last 13 from 50-plus yard field goals. So maybe that distracted him. Or also, maybe he's missed nine of his last 13 from 50-plus yards. And and obviously, Christian Wilkins was at fault, that first block kick. I mean, like, wasn't even paying attention. How do you not even see that guy? Anyway, I'm super thrilled about... It was frustrating that they kind of, you know, slogged their way to the finish last night, but super happy to be 2-0 and coming home against a really shitty Bronco team next weekend. All right, let's get to who my dogs were from the Dolphins' win yesterday. Number three. I got three dogs from yesterday's game. All three of them are on the defensive side. Number three, Xavier Howard. Xavier Howard... Looks like he's pretty close to being back. I thought he was really good last night. He wasn't perfect, but you also got to take into account the player he was last year, and now what he's doing for you, he looks a lot closer to real Xavier Howard than the guy we saw last year playing hurt. Six tackles for Howard yesterday and a huge interception 
inside the five-yard line, dominating Devontae Parker, just like he did every day in practice for like five, six years. <clears throat> and of course, that interception came after the block kick. Very, very important. All right, number two, my second dog yesterday, Andrew Van Ginkle. Six tackles himself, a huge sack late in the game. He also had a tackle for a loss, and maybe most importantly, filling in for Jalen Phillips. I mean, look, if Phillips would have played last yesterday, a sack and a tackle for a loss from Jalen Phillips would have been a great game. Van Ginkle gave it to you. He was my dog yesterday. And number one, my number one dog yesterday, Bradley Chubb. Seven tackles, a sack, two tackles for a loss, those type of impact plays. Oh, and by the way, how about the strip on the fumble in the first quarter? Yeah, Bradley Chubb with the hustle play coming from behind. Those are the type of plays, the type of impact plays that they brought Bradley Chubb here for. That's what you were looking for last year. You're getting them now into the first two games of this year. My number one dog yesterday was Bradley Chubb. So my three dogs from yesterday, Xavier Howard, Andrew Van Ginkle, Bradley Chubb. Those were my dogs. So a lot of action over the weekend. We had two more games tonight, by the way. You got a pair. I love when you got a pair of Monday Night Football games. And I also love when they, when they stagger the start times, meaning it's not, one, it's not a doubleheader. It's not one game and then the next game. At 7.15 tonight, Saints at Panthers. 8.15 tonight, Browns at Steelers. So we still had a great football night tonight. All right, anyway, lot of action yesterday. Let's get to our Week 2 NFL Rundown. Our Week 2 NFL Rundown, our NFL Rundown is always brought to us by Brunt Insurance. From Pensacola to the Keys and beyond, Brunt Insurance delivers you that comprehensive insurance coverage at the best rate around. They're going to tailor your insurance exactly to your needs. When you call 954-589-2204 or go to bruntinsurance.com, you're making the right call because what's happening here is Greg Brunt and his team at Brunt Insurance, they have the expertise and the experience to find the perfect coverage for you. And not just homeowners insurance, that includes comprehensive policies on both trailers and motorhomes. Now, I've been getting my homeowner's insurance from Brunt Insurance for about 10 years now, but maybe you need automobile insurance, motorcycle insurance, boaters insurance. There are so many options out there. It can make your head spin. Don't worry. Brunt Insurance specializes in making the confusing, crystal clear, fully licensed team at Brunt Insurance going to help you every step of the way. And with offices all throughout the state of Florida, Brunt Insurance knows exactly the type of coverage you need depending on where you're calling from. 954-589-2204 or go to bruntinsurance.com. Let's get to our week two NFL rundown. The Falcons and Packers yesterday. The Packers had a two touchdown lead in this one, 24 to 10. The Falcons would storm back in the second half and with about a minute to go late in the game, Young Hoku had a chance to give Atlanta the lead for good. This is for the lead. Who's kick from 25 yards out. Gives Atlanta a one-point advantage. Falcons would hang on and win 25-24. They improved to 2-0. Bijan Robinson, the rookie, 19 carries, 124 yards. He also had four catches for 48 yards. Jordan Love. 14 for 25, 151 yards, and three touchdowns. The Packers dropped to 1-1. One one. Buffalo 
gets on track with their first win of the season, 38-10 over the Raiders. Each team is 1-1. One one. <coughs> Josh Allen, 31 for 37, 274 yards, three touchdowns, no turnovers, a lot more careful with the ball. Gabe Davis, six catches for 92 yards and a touchdown. Devontae Adams had six catches for 84 yards and a touchdown. The Baltimore Ravens, everyone was picking Cincinnati going into this game. The Ravens with a 27-24 win over the Bengals. Ravens are 2-0. Bengals are 0-2. Lamar Jackson, he was 24 for 33, 237 yards, two touchdowns. Here he is after the game. Uh, like I've been saying, you know, uh, since camp, you know, the sky's the limit um, for this team, you know, um, all phases. I, I believe we, we fought today um, how we're supposed to, you know, in a tough game. Like you said, the former division champs, um, a great team, by the way, um, all phases as well. We, you know, we just did what we were supposed to do. Joe Burrow was 27 of 41, 222 yards, just does not look like himself. Two touchdowns and interception. T. Higgins had eight catches. 89 yards and two touchdowns. Again, Ravens 2-0, Bengals 0-2. The Chiefs, they don't look like themselves. This game was a struggle. The Jaguars were up 3-0 late in the second quarter. The Chiefs would hang on and win 17-9. Both teams are 1-1. Mahomes, 29 for 41, 305 yards, two touchdowns and an interception. Trevor Lawrence, 22 for 41, 216 yards. Christian Kirk had 11 catches for 110 yards. The Tennessee Titans, a great win, 27-24 in overtime. The Titans get their first win of the year. The Chargers drop to 0-2. Ryan Tannehill, 20 for 24, great bounce back for him. 246 yards and a touchdown. Derrick Henry had 25 carries for 80 yards and a touchdown. Justin Herbert, 27 for 41, 305 yards, two touchdowns. Keenan Allen, eight catches for 111 yards. He had those two touchdowns. Here's the Titans head coach, Mike Vrabel, in the postgame locker room. Hey, listen, the only thing I noticed, okay, we'll talk about the game later, but when you, when you stand at the top of that tunnel, okay, and a former player said here, he said, if you ain't limping coming up that tunnel, then don't come up the tunnel. Mm -hmm. And guys, we're laying it on the line. I appreciate every single one of you, Monty. And it's not perfect. We stuck together. We stayed efficient. We didn't turn the ball over and there's so much better that we can do okay but when you practice okay and you practice and you get something out of it chris moore okay nick westbrook great job you guys came up and then at the end of the game right at the end of the game we need the biggest play from our one of our better players hop ryan you're yes, right sir. there field goal range hell of a job yes, ryan sir. Good job hop. You said a key all week was get the drive stop. Sometimes it was sooner, sometimes it was later, but you got to stop. Hell of a job, leadership. Hell of a job. We can bring these young guys along, bring these new guys along, okay? And we're gonna get it hot. We're gonna get it going. Shout out to Hey man. Hey, I'm proud of, proud of everybody in this locker room. Way we stuck together wasn't always pretty. We found a way to win. That's what's about. Win on three. One, two, three. Win. So a thriller yesterday took place in Detroit between the Seahawks and the Lions. This game would go to overtime, and it was Tyler Lockett with the touchdown to end the game. Smith to throw. Pressure from Hutchinson. Runs away. Great throw, Lockett diving for the end zone. It's over. The Seahawks win it. 
First loss of the season for Detroit. First win of the season for Seattle, 37-31. Geno Smith, 32 for 41. 328 yards, two touchdowns. Kenneth Walker, 17 carries for 43 yards. He had two rushing touchdowns. Amonra St. Brown, six catches for 102 yards. The Indianapolis Colts, Anthony Richardson, a concussion in the second quarter after getting off to a great start. Gardner Minshew would come in the game. The Colts would roll 31-20 over Houston. It's Indianapolis' first win of the season. The Texans dropped to 0-2. Zach Moss saw his first action of the season. 18 carries for 88 yards and a touchdown. C.J. Stroud, the rookie, 30 for 47, 384 yards and two touchdowns in the losing effort. Nico Collins had seven catches for 146 yards and a touchdown. The Bucks and Baker Mayfield. For the first time in Baker Mayfield's career, he is 2-0. The Bears dropped to 0-17. Justin Fields was terrible. Out of his own end zone, intercepted by Shaq Barrett, fighting at the goal line for a pick six that just might seal the deal for Tampa. The Bucks would win 27-17, Fields was 16 for 29, 211 yards, a touchdown, two interceptions, by the way, good for Shaq Barrett who I think his daughter passed away in the offseason, so good for him there. Mike Evans had six catches, 171 yards, and a touchdown. That was the lone touchdown Baker Mayfield threw. He was 26 for 34 for 317 yards. The Giants were trailing 20 to nothing in the second half. They would come all the way back. A huge second half performance from Daniel Jones. He was 26 for 37. 321 yards, two touchdowns and an interception, nine carries for 59 yards and a touchdown rushing. The Giants get their first win of the season. It was Hodgins with the game-tying touchdown late. Jones throws, end zone shot! It's caught by Hodgins for the touchdown! They're an extra point away from coming all the way back. Giants get their first win of the season, 31-28 over Arizona, who drops to 0-2. Saquon Barkley, he had 17 carries for 63 yards and a touchdown. Six uh, catches for 29 yards and a touchdown. He left the game with an ankle injury. We'll find out more about that later today, I'm sure. The 49ers improved to 2-0. 30 to 23 with the win over the Rams. Game was never really in doubt. They, they were up by 10. The Rams kicked a field goal with no time left. I don't understand what happened there unless Sean McVay had Rams plus seven and a half. Brock Purdy, 17 for 25, 206 yards and a touchdown rushing. McCaffrey, 20 carries for 116 yards and a touchdown. Poka Nakua, 15 catches for 147 yards for the Rams. How about the Cowboys? Another dominant win, 30-10 to 10 over the Jets. The Cowboys have outscored the two New York teams 70-10 to 10 to open the season 2-0. The Jets are 1-1. Zach Wilson, he sucks. Giving chase. Flag is out. Ball intercepted. Curse has it. Curse taken off. And the Cowboys defense trying to get another touchdown this week. And it ends at the 18-yard line. I don't know how you can move forward with Zach Wilson. I really don't. 12 for 27, 170 yards, a touchdown, three interceptions. He is absolutely awful. 
Dak Prescott, 31 for 38, 255 yards and two touchdowns. CeeDee Lamb, 11 catches for 143 yards. And finally, the Commanders, 2-0. The Broncos dropped to 0-2 with no time remaining. Trailing by eight, a 55-yard Hail Mary connects for the Broncos to pull them within two, 35-33. They have to go for two on the final play of the game. Here for Washington. Wilson to the end zone. Batted down and incomplete. Intended for Sutton. And a, a very anticlimactic ending after a crazy play to potentially tie the game. Sam Howe, 27 for 39, 299 yards and a touchdown. Brian Robinson, 18 carries for 87 yards and two touchdowns. He had two catches for 42 yards. Russell Wilson was 18 of 32, 308 yards, three touchdowns and an interception. Commanders win 35-33. They are 2-0. Week 2 concludes tonight with a pair of Monday Night Football games. And that right there is your Week 2 NFL rundown courtesy of Brunt Insurance, 954-589-2204. Go to bruntinsurance.com. Tell you what, how about my man David Guerra sending me a message on Twitter yesterday, trying Johnny Cuba for the very first time? I told you guys, if you haven't had yourself a Johnny, go out and pick up a six-pack of Johnny Cuba, official beer of Zaslow Show 2.0. You could pick up a Johnny Cuba, your local Sedanos, Presidente, Winn-Dixie, Fresco Mas. I love when guys like David, they try Johnny Cuba for the very first time. They send me a message. They send me a picture drink in there, Johnny. I then post it on Instagram. You become famous because I'm an influencer. My man Juan from Johnny Cuba, he loves seeing that as well. Hey, if you haven't had a Johnny yet, Johnny Cuba, we're talking European roots with that Caribbean soul, a refreshing German lager in a can, official beer of Zaslow Show 2.0, the only beer we actually drink in the Zaslow Mansion. Remember, always drink responsibly, and don't forget Johnny Cuba's mantra, stay tranquilo. Let's get to big deal or not a big deal. Big deal or not a big deal, always brought to us by Water Cleanup of Florida. Hey, If you're dealing with water, mold, or fire damage in your home, is that a big deal? Maybe it's not a big deal. I don't know. But you call Water Cleanup of Florida, they'll tell you if it's a big deal or not a big deal. 954-900-8635. Available 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. And with over 60 years of combined experience, the team at Water Cleanup of Florida is prepared to handle any size property damage disaster. Plus, they're a licensed general contractor. They're providing that A to Z service, one-stop shopping that all of us are looking for. So when you call Water Cleanup of Florida, they're there at the start of your project, and they're there at the very end of your project. They take care of everything. Call or text Water Cleanup of Florida, 954-900-8635. Let Water Cleanup of Florida tell you if it's a big deal or not a big deal. Big deal or not a big deal. All right. I don't know if he's doing this on purpose anymore because some of the mistakes over the last few months are, like, are, are, real, are unexplainable. It doesn't even make sense. So, again, Colin Coward, one of the all-time great sports talk show hosts. But I, I think he's really fallen off. I think the show has taken a massive fall off, not just because Joy Taylor left and you got little buddy on the show with him who is unwatchable but Colin makes 
so many mistakes now. But how about this? See, again, I don't know if he's doing this on purpose or not to get attention, but Colin trying to convince you that he's a huge ACDC fan. Sure, I, I was more of an ACDC, Guns, oh, really? and, Guns and Roses guy, but I knew of Metallica. You were an ACDC guy? Oh, I loved him. Van Halen, ACDC is all I listen to. Well, Van Halen is in a different category. But no, ACDC, AC Back in Black. That's, that was Rock your fire like a hurricane? Song? Absolutely. So do you listen to that driving into the herd on the Friday show? You guys didn't listen to ACDC. It, uh, it is. Uh, who didn't listen to ACDC? I, again, it's like it's so st- rock you like a hurricane. Uh, is he doing it on purpose? That's, it's a big deal because the show has become un- listenable big deal or not a big deal friday night wwe smackdown holy shit were you in for a treat smackdown opens the show they're in denver of course if you know game day was in boulder the pat mcafee show on friday was in boulder he made the drive over to denver he surprised everyone and came out at the start of the show and he's doing a little back and forth with austin theory pat mcafee is And then all of a sudden, out of years of wondering, when is he ever going to show up again? The Rock was back on SmackDown. And you know what that means? I mean, that's a big deal. An all-time pop there for The Rock. Completely unexpected. That shit was awesome. He gave Austin Theory the people's elbow. That's what you're talking about. That's a big deal. Big deal or not a big deal. So, leading up to... Or actually, I think this was right after the game last night ended. Here's Terry McCauley, rules analyst on NBC, helping break down why the offensive lineman for the Patriots how you could see that he's down and why the officials overturning the call on the final play was the correct call. And let's bring in Terry McCauley, yeah. as promised. Let's uh, dive in a little bit deeper on this. Our rules analyst, three-time Super Bowl referee. Terry, this is always a gray area of how you spot the ball and can you overturn it. Was there really enough definitive evidence to pull that one back and say he didn't make the line to game? Yeah, Mike, as we looked at it, our camera was exactly down the line and when the knee hit which is the crucial point when that knee hit the ball was clearly between the 30 and the 31 uh so there really was enough it was clear in my mind it was clear and obvious that it was indeed short of the line to gain i just i want to see it again you know and i understand exactly what you're saying but this is the game on the line. There goes the knee down, and it l- certainly looks like it. You can right. see the orange line, the cone in behind it. It looks like it's short, but you have to explain to me, Terry, what is definitive? Like, well, what is enough in that situation to where you go, okay, we're going to finish the game right here instead of letting it play out? Well, what sold it for me, Chris, was as he continued after the knee hit, his elbow comes down, which looks like it was exactly on the 31. If you keep going, 
His the elbow 29. is going to come down. Excuse me, thank you. The, the 29. As, as he keeps coming down, that elbow's going to be on the 29. You see that hash there at the bottom? Yep. That's where the elbow came down. If you take a straight line, if you take a straight line, the ball has to be short of that point. Yeah, that's a big deal. It did a good job explaining. It was spot on. And, and of course, the officials got it right, even though the referee was trying to cheat. And finally here, so how about this? I don't know if you noticed it over the weekend, but Alonzo Highsmith absolutely noticed it. So we know Alonzo Highsmith, all-time great Miami Hurricane. He's also, what, is he the chief of staff? I think that's what he is with, with the Hurricane football program right now. So here's Alonzo Highsmith. And there are pictures of Michael Irvin wearing a Colorado Buffalo shirt. Warren Sapp wearing a Colorado Buffalo shirt, speaking to the team. The Rockets there as well. And Alonzo Highsmith sends out a note that says, Seems like every former player is a Colorado Buffalo now. I guess we'll just keep pressing on with a bunker mentality. It's us and only us. And I support Dion, but couldn't pay me to wear a Colorado Buffalo shirt. And you know what? That's a big deal because Alonzo Highsmith is a thousand percent right. You know, you could support your friend Dion, but going out there and wearing a University of Colorado shirt, especially when the Hurricanes back in 91, didn't they share the national championship with Col- or they share it with Washington? They may have shared it with Washington. But early on in the 90s, Colorado was a national championship contender right next to UM. And now you're out there wearing Colorado gear? You could support Dion and support that team, what he's doing there, without actually wearing Colorado gear. I don't have a problem with The Rock doing it. The Rock is an A-list celebrity. He's a movie star. But Michael Irvin out there wearing Colorado gear. Warren Sapp out there wearing Colorado gear. That To me, that's a disgrace. And Alonzo Highsmith clearly feels the same way. That's a big deal. Good on Alonzo Heisman for saying something. And that right there, courtesy of Water Cleanup of Florida, let them tell you at 954-900-8635 if it's big deal or not a big deal. Yes, that's how you get the week started. That's what I'm talking about. All right. So we got two more games. Obviously, we got Monday Night Raw tonight, but... We had two games Monday Night Football tonight. So your fantasy football, your gambling. We're still in it. We still got a couple more games until week two is underway. And then, of course, until week two is finished up. Excuse me. And then tomorrow, we will have an updated Zaslow Show 2.0 power rankings leading into week three. You know what I'm talking about. Thanks, everybody, for helping to put together a great show today. I can't do it without you. Thanks for listening. Always appreciate you guys. We'll talk to you on Zaslow Show 2.0 tomorrow. Know what that means.